I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black. Got the boosters black to match. Riding on a horse. Welcome, folks, to another edition of Wild Sports Cypher. Today, that one, dude, 2020, the delusional Skip Bayless, and of course, Sammy Sharp. Uh, Sammy, how are we doing today? I'm doing good. Good, John. How are you doing today, man? I am beyond exhausted. Moving, moving to Houston, and of course, now I decided to move to Houston. The Buffalo Bills are considering moving to Austin, Texas. So thank you, Buffalo. I had a chance to work for an NFL team. Thank you, Buffalo. Uh, the delusion of Skip Bayless. We had an hour and a half show talking NBA. You know, I don't talk, of course, NBA, but uh, despite all of that, how are we doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. You know, we had a great show. My internet was going well during the show. Um, it, there was not, no problems with it. And then after the show finishes and after I finished, you know, constructing the script that we had for tonight, it just crashed. So I had to literally race from my house to McDonald's just to do the program tonight. But hey, you know, I got here. There's AC here. It's good. Plus, I got myself, you know, a large Sprite. So we're hanging in there, looking forward to seeing uh, what what comes up in free agency in the next you know few hours. Because you better believe that free agency, the news just started, and it's gonna keep going on uh, into the late night hours. Hopefully, you didn't run as fast as you can because you are definitely not the gender man here. But getting folks, we had an NBA free agency special here on the MSX Sports Network for more NBA talk. The Lakers, the Lakers, the Lakers, man, the rich keep getting on Richard Sammy. The Lakers had Russell Westbrook in a master trade that says Count Kuzma, the off-brand Slim Shady, Montrez Harrell, and Cadavis Codwell Pope to the Washington Wizards. What is your reaction to this trade, and does this make the Lakers a better team next year, or is it just more of they look better just on paper? Uh, I think it's some uh, thing that, at the moment, they look better on paper. That's about it. Because, it, first of all, it doesn't address the depth issue that they're going to have now. And it doesn't address the uh, uh, outside is- uh, shooting issue that they're going to have. And they had all last year. Another thing is that they had a problem with defense uh, on and off consistently. So, you know, I don't think it makes them a championship content. I don't know if that makes them uh, push them over the edge. But I think what it does is it gives pressure off LeBron and AD. Uh, to be that third reliable scoring threat whenever on every night. Uh, because Russell Westbrook, he's a very passionate player. He's a player that can drive to the hoop uh, on really any given play and still has that uh, athleticism to go for 20, 25 points a night. So, you know, it's, it takes a, a big pressure off of LeBron and it takes a big pressure off AD. And, you know, as far as rebounding and all that goes, whenever those two guys aren't, LeBron and AD are not on the court. They can rely on Russell Westbrook still being able to fill the stat sheet and still being able to help him out with his team for uh, uh, ex- 
excessive period of time. The thing about Russell Westbrook is, though, he, you know, he was on teams where he, either he was the best player or the second he's relied to be the second best scorer on the team. And right now, he's not even, he's not needed to do that. He can be he can play his own game. LeBron can play his own game, and AD can play their own game, and all find a way to cope together and uh, play play together. But I still think the the Lakers are going to be struggling on outside shooting. Uh, well, after today, I don't know. But uh, at the moment, they were struggling on outside shooting and um, perimeter defense. Definitely interesting to see what happens moving forward, especially with those clashing personalities. But the delusional Skip Bayless, your Lakers keep getting on Richard. What was your reaction to the Russell Westbrook trade? Does it make him better, or is it just kind of, hey, we're just basically looking better on paper again before NBA free agency today? Well, when I first heard the news, you know, I was ecstatic. You know, I was talking to you, John, and Callan over the phone. And I remember, like, Callan said that the Lakers, uh, according to Woj, that they were on course to complete the Buddy Heald trade that would have sent Buddy Heald to the Lakers for Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, uh, and I believe the Lakers' number 22 pick in the NBA draft. And I said, and I told you guys that, you know, I did not want Buddy Heald, not because Buddy Heald can't play, but because, you know, Buddy Heald, he's getting paid like $20 million. Uh, he's kind of an inconsistent player. If you watch him with, Sacramento. I mean, that's why the Kings want to get rid of him so badly. It's because one night he looks like the second coming of Steph Curry, and then the next lot, the next night he looks worse than me out there on the basketball court. So I, I personally thought that the Lakers, with all those assets, that they could have swung a a better trade. So that's why I preferred Russell Westbrook. And you know, and then like I believe like two minutes after the Buddy Heald news broke, you know, Callan goes from saying that the Lakers are on course to completing the Buddy Heald trade to um their their in serious talks to get Russell Westbrook from the Washington Wizards. And it was just crazy how, you know, the the like the news swung from one end to the next end. And I don't think I've ever, you know, been a part of a day as crazy as last Thursday in all of my life watching sports or just covering sports in general. But, you know, I'm excited because, you know, I've been pushing the Lakers to get a third star for a long, long time. Uh, John, you know this. Uh, last year when we were watching Lakers games, I kept saying, you know, the Lakers, they need another star because LeBron James, he's getting up there in age. Uh, Anthony Davis, he's always hurt, so and you can't count on him to be healthy for a full 82 game season. So, you need another star of opposite LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So, I'm glad that they got that star. Um, and I'm glad that Russell Westbrook is a Laker, but I'm really interested to see the fit because both LeBron James and Russell Westbrook they both need the ball in their hands to be successful. And when Westbrook is slotted to play off ball he's not that good of a basketball player because he sucks shooting the basketball. So it's going to be a really interesting dynamic to see how it fits and how everything plays out. Um, I liked what the Lakers did today in free agency, you know, adding, um, adding Wayne Ellington and Trevor Reese. I think those were some moves that the Lakers needed to make, especially with this big three now, because uh, you're going to have Russ and LeBron both driving into the paint, and they're going to have to kick it out to the shooters, and you need shooters that are capable and are willing to knock down triples for you. And I think that Trevor Reza and uh, Wayne Ellington are guys that can do that for you. So I like what the Lakers did. Uh, but back to the Westbrook thing, do I think it 
uh, do I think it makes them better? Uh, you know, I say this. I think it. I think they took one step forward, and I think they took one step back because with you getting Westbrook, yes, you get that. You know, third star with LeBron and AD, and also you get you know a guy that could take. Uh, the load off of LeBron James when it comes to playmaking on offense. Uh, and it, also you add a pretty good defender in Russell Westbrook, but you also lose your three point shooting. And also you lose more perimeter defense with Contavious Caldwell Pope leaving as he was one of the Lakers best defenders last year on a team that was terrible defending the perimeter. So uh, I, for me, it's just a wait and see. I like the move because we got the third star, but, I'm interested to see how it all fits together. Definitely be very interesting here with more NBA talk here on another episode of Blood Sports Talk. Leave your comments, questions, or concerns, but for your discretion and advice, unlike other platforms, many other people, we are not responsible for your physical or mental health. If you agree or disagree, you can go talk to Bucky Barnes, therapist, and Isaiah. That is from Marvel Falcon Winter Soldier. But Sammy. Does adding Russell Westbrook push the Lakers to be the favorites for the NBA title, or is this more of the media always loving to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, I think adding any big three would uh, push uh, anyone to be the favorite. But in this specific case, I think the move alone didn't do it. But their moves today with adding Trevor Ariza, as Isaiah said, uh, I do believe they added uh, – I forget who. But it was a shooting guard. Wesley. It was Wesley Matthews or a guard just like that. That they added off the come off the bench. Wayne Ellington. Wayne Ellington, exactly. Yeah, they'll be that three point shooting guy and be that defensive guy. So, right now, those two moves are huge. Uh, if they can add in another player, another shooting guard or a point guard to add depth to the point guard room, because right now there's not a lot of depth at that position at all in the backcourt at all. So, you know, if they can find a way to add depth in that team, that'd be great for them. Um, you know, I, I think that this would make them serious contenders, but to put them over the Nets, I'd just love to see that series personally. If I could watch the Nets, if we get a Nets-Lakers finals this year, both of them 100% healthy, I think that would be the best case scenario uh, for us as fans. And if we don't get that, honestly, I think we got cheated out of a great final, all-time great finals in my opinion, but it is what it is. Definitely would be very exciting here. But, of course, I say the Lakers have Russell Westbrook. And, of course, you know, getting a little bit older was a number one, maybe number two guy overall. But do you think this pushes the Lakers to the favorites? Or is this more maybe to say a little bit of the media bias and loving to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, you guys know me. I'm a big Lakers fan, so you guys will probably – jump to conclusion and think that I'm going to say that, yes, it pushes the Lakers not only as the favorite out of the West, but also the Lakers are going to beat the Brooklyn Nets and win the NBA title. But I'm going to say this, you know, I, before I can't say that it pushes them above the Nets because I need to see how the entire roster is filled out before I can, you know, make that claim that I think it pushes them over the Brooklyn Nets. Right now, if you look on the roster, what is there on the roster is Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and you have Marcus Saul, uh, and also Trevor Reza, Wayne Ellington, and Dwight Howard. That's, I believe, only seven guys on the roster. Uh, so you have, so for me, I'm just going to wait and see to see how uh, Rob Palenka and the Lakers front office constructs this roster around this big three because it's very important and very vital that they add shooting, uh, add depth to their 
front or their backcourt and also um, get some get some good players that can defend in the front court as well, as well as rebound and provide energy. That's why I think the Dwight Howard signing was a really, really good signing for the Los Angeles Lakers. But I'll say this. I think it, I think it pushes them to be the favorite out of the West because I thought with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, they were already the favorites in the Western conference to come out of it. Uh, and now you add another dynamic player in Russell Westbrook to the mix. So I think it makes the Lakers even more uh, favorites in the Western conference. Definitely could be very interesting moving forward here. But Sammy, the Miami Heat added Kyle Lowry and re-signed Duncan Robinson. What were your initial thoughts on this signing? And does this help the Heat increase their chances moving forward? Or were there any concerns you with the Heat? Or what are most of your thoughts on their on that signing? I think it helps the Heat a lot. Uh, adding a point guard that, you know, is not going to be overpaid and is super expensive like Goran was. I think Goran was a good piece for the Heat, but he was just overpaid. And he wasn't doing enough, in my opinion, to be getting that 20 or $17 million he was getting. So, you know, Kyle Lowry is a lot better on the defensive side than Goran was, and he still is a, a solid scorer. He's not one of those players that also, you know, it's whenever he has the basketball, the basketball doesn't stick with him. So, you know, he also spreads around the ball. Um, you know, seeing him will play with Jimmy Butler and seeing the growth of Tyler Hero will be the biggest, uh, I think, um, uh, piece to the, um, he, uh, taking a step forward and becoming a, cons- a consistent title contender. Cause I think if Tyler Hero, if he has another season, like he had this year where he kind of took a step back from where he was last year and even in the bubble, I don't think the Heat will be as nearly as good as they were that one year where they had that uh, crazy championship run. But if he can rekindle that, and they can also sign DeMar DeRozan, from what I'm hearing, it's very likely if they can, as long as they can keep all the pieces together, um, that will be a, a serious contender for even the Nets, in my opinion. Definitely could be interesting to see what happens with the Heat this year, especially with the huge Jimmy Butler contract. But let us know what y'all think in the comment section below, either about the Heat, adding Kyle Lowry, re-signing Jacob Robinson, the Lakers adding Russell Westbrook, and getting all these other free agent acquisitions. Let us know what you think, comments, questions, or concerns in any way, shape, or form here. But Sadie, I believe you have some news coming out of the NBA and free agency. Yes, yes. Devontae Graham, former uh, point guard from the Pelican or former point guard of the Hornets, uh, broke out a couple years ago. Got signed four year, forty seven million dollar contract to play with the Pelicans and be basically the franchise point guard. I feel like is where he's going to be going. Big move for the Pelicans as far because he's a great scorer. That dude is something that they definitely need alongside Brandon Ingram. Definitely will be excited when it happens with the Pelicans. You let Lonzo Ball go. Obviously, he may not. He's not. So people will think not a top up player, not a great shooter. But uh, Isaiah, what were your thoughts on this signing? Does this help the Pelicans address some of the pieces after trading Lonzo Ball, or is this maybe them trying to pick up the pieces after that signing trade? I think it was them trying to pick up the pieces. I think that. Um, obviously this wasn't their number one option because the reports had said 
coming in a free agency that they desperately wanted Kyle Lowry. Um, he was a guy that they were targeting uh, from day one. You know, they were going to offer him like a three-year, $90 million contract. And I guess he passed on that and wanted to play with uh, Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat instead, which makes sense because, you know, I feel like Miami is far more uh, – they're far more talented and, you know, far more – their ceiling is far greater than the New Orleans Pelicans as currently structured. Plus you're playing in the Eastern conference and we all know how weak that Eastern conference is right now. If you, if you like, let's say, you know, if let's say you win like 52 games out of an 82 game season, you're probably like third or fourth in the, the Eastern conference while in the Western conference, if you win like 52 games, you might be at number six, given the, how, how, uh, strong the Western Conference is right now. So I think Kyle already did make the right decision. Uh, but back to the Pelicans, you know, I think the Pelicans, they needed a point guard. Lonzo was gone. Kyle Lowry was gone. So they went and got Devontae Graham, who Sammy said uh, is a great scorer of the basketball. He's young as well. So you can ha- kind of have like a young core with Devontae Graham, with uh, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson on that team. And it's going to be very interesting as well to see if they keep Josh Hart or not, because he's one of the best perimeter defenders that they have on that team. Uh, so I, I I like the move for the Pelicans because they got younger in that deal. Um, but let me say this. Dennis Schroeder is the biggest loser here out of like this move by the Pelicans because his market is slowly drying up. Chicago went and got Lonzo Ball. New York, they needed a point guard. They went out and got Evan Fournier uh, on a massive deal. They used up a lot of their cap space. And then New Orleans was another one that, like, they needed a point guard. They could have been in the Schroeder market. Now they go out and get Devontae Graham. So, Dennis Schroeder, you should not have turned down that four-year $84 million contract that the Lakers offered you during the season because now you might not even forget getting a hundred million. You might not even be able to top what the Lakers offered you midseason. It definitely, my man, it sounds like a Jadavia and Clowney type of thing. And also be able to swallow your pride, know your skill set, what you're good and not good at. That's not a bad thing. He just he's not what he thinks he is as a player. That's just the reality. Yeah, and uh, John, you know, I want to add something about, you know, the Kyle Lowry point before we move on uh, off of that. Uh, I think Sammy was talking about how Tyler Hero, uh, he's going to be, you know, one of the big X factors for the Miami Heat. I don't even know if Tyler Hero will be in the Mi- will be on the Miami Heat next year because we haven't gotten the details of what Miami sent back to Toronto uh, to in that sign and trade for Kyle Lowry. So Tyler Hero could be part of that package. And, you know, me and John were talking about this during our free agency special that if Miami were to lose both Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, it would be a huge blow for them. But luckily, they kept Duncan Robinson in the mix. It just uh, remains to be seen if uh, Tyler Hero went to Toronto in that package because we don't know uh, who got dealt to Toronto for Kyle Lowry. Definitely could be interesting to see what happens. A lot of crazy things that we talked about in the NBA free agency today with the delusion of Skip Bayless and, of course, myself and down to 2020. But Sammy Lonzo Ball goes to Chicago on a sign in trade. What were your thoughts on this? And this is really how the Chicago Bills continue that successful rebuild. I think what it does is that it creates um, defense 
That's what um Chicago wanted. Uh, in Chicago, it, need, it needs defense off the backcourt. And, you know, Lonzo Ball gets very uh, – there's a lot of heat Lonzo Ball gets. But one thing you can't take away is he's still a great playmaker. And the dude's still one of the best point guards as far as defense goes. Uh, and as far as the uh, Kyle Lowry sign and trade deal, Isaiah, the details that come out, um, the Raptors gave uh, – got Goran Dracic and Precious Achua from the uh, Miami Heat. And as but back to the uh, you know Lonzo Ball, I think this is big for the Bulls because Lonzo Ball now he he is is, is a cornerstone in the Bulls uh, lineup now. He, they have the point guards uh, position locked up for the next four or five years. I think Lonzo Ball is that type of player that he can start on that franchise for four to five years, and they'll be fine. The thing is, is that they need to find a way to get Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball, that next guy up, that next star uh, player, whether it's at small forward, whether it's uh, developing Malari marketing to be a better power forward, which I don't know if that's possible still, seeming how I think that we already seen the best of Lowry marketing and what uh, his ceiling can do. He's a young, but I don't know if he can get a lot better than what he's shown. But, um, you know, I think right now that's what the Bulls need to focus on if they want to keep this core and go to a playoff and do some crazy type of run. Definitely. Who knows? Well, let's shout out that. But I say, what are your final thoughts? I made the Chicago Bulls signed Lonzo Ball from the Pelicans on the sign and trade. Well, my thoughts is that, first of all, I'm happy that Lonzo got paid the kind of money that he got from the Chicago Bulls because, you know, he's a guy that gets a lot of flack. And I think that, you know, there's sometimes that he deserves it but he's also a pretty good player when it comes to defense and playmaking as well. I know he doesn't put up uh, the amount of points that everybody wants him to put up, but he's a guy that's a pass-first point guard, a really, really good uh, and underrated perimeter defender as well. So I'm glad that he got the money that he got paid. Um, I think the Bulls had to do it because, or pay him that kind of money because uh, if they didn't or if they paid him something less than the Pelicans, had the ability to match so they just blew him out or they blew the pelicans out of the water and uh they couldn't match it and thus forcing him to do a sign and trade so uh that's why i think he got that big of a contract so i want to give him a shout out but let me say this long or not lonzo ball but the bulls have no excuses now not to make the playoffs you know last year was supposed to be their year to finally break through and make the playoffs uh they underachieved and they didn't make the playoffs last year i get they they had injuries but and also they were trying to you know get or trying to install a new culture under head coach billy donovan but now you have lonzo ball you have um zach levine there in your backcourt you have nikola vucevic who you traded for who is a Big-time talent at the center position. Uh, you have Laurie Marketing. You have Billy Donovan, who has proven that he can take young teams uh, and develop them really well and take them to the postseason. You have no excuses now not to make the playoffs in the weak Eastern Conference. If you don't make the playoffs next year, it is going to be a massive disappointment in the Winnie City. Definitely could be interesting to see what happens in Chicago and Chicago doing always doing some interesting maybe some odd free agent moves but Isaiah go to you first again not that much delusional text because of course nobody's watching because I put it on too many streaming platforms here but Isaiah who do you think in day one of NBA free agency are some winners and some big losers 
Well, I've got like three winners and a couple of losers. My winner is number one. I got to give it to the Miami Heat. I think that's probably the most obvious answer. You know, they get Kyle Lowry. They manage somehow, some way to keep Duncan Robinson in the fold. They also keep Tyler Hero. Um, they let go of Gordon Dragic, who, you know, wasn't, it's not really that big of a loss because he did, did not have that good of a year last year. Plus, he's getting up there in age. Uh, Precious, Precious Achua, you know, that, I, I would say, like, that's a pretty big loss, but you're getting Kyle Lowry back. So um, you're trying to win now anyway. So Lowry helps you win now. And Achua, he doesn't really help you win now because he's a very, very young player, a very, very raw player. And Miami, you know, not only did they add Lowry and uh, keep Duncan Robinson, but they also got P.J. Tucker, who is a great 3 and D player. Um, I love what the Miami Heat are doing right now. There's reports that they might add DeMar DeRozan, although I don't know how that's going to work because uh, the Heat, it seems like, have used up a lot of their cap space. Um, so I don't know how that would work. DeMar DeRozan will probably have to take like way, way less money just to come to the Miami Heat, and I don't know if he's willing to do that. Um, I know he did say that he would be willing to take less money to play for his hometown team and the team that he grew up rooting for in the Los Angeles Lakers. But is he willing to take uh, less money to play for a different team, not name the Lakers, but you got to give Pat Riley and the heat credit. They're definitely going for it. Uh, they're one of my winners. Uh, my second winner is, is the Lakers. You know, the Lakers came into this free agency needing to add shooting, needing to add a good perimeter defenders they did that by adding trevor ariza and also wayne ellington as well and then they brought back dwight howard who is in my opinion an upgrade over marcus saw and he can instantly start at the center position and if he doesn't start at the center position you could have him be you know a bench player come off the bench which was a role that he thrived in when the Lakers won the championship in 2020. You know, he brings the energy every single night. He's a ferocious shot blocker. He's a guy that uh, is a very talented rebounder as well. I love that move for the Lakers. And there's also reports that they might get Carmelo Anthony. There's reports that they might get DeMar DeRozan. If Rob Palenka gets DeMar DeRozan and Carmelo Anthony with LeBron, with AD, with Russ, you might as well just hand him the executive of the year trophy because that Lakers team, like I know Melo's aging. Um, I know DeMar DeRozan is not really what the, what the same as he was back in the day, but that, that dude can still ball and he can score the basketball. Those five guys, that would be, wow, that would be like an amazingly, immensely talented roster. Uh, but I do love what the Lakers did in free agency so far, and I got to give them, you know, uh, or put them as one of my winners. And my my sec or my last winner that I would say, John, is not a team, but it's Colin Sexton because I think with the with. Jared Allen signing that five-year, $100 million-plus extension that he got, I think that that solidified Colin Sexton's future in Cleveland. Because if you're going to extend Jared Allen and make him one of the pillars of the franchise, why not uh, extend Colin Sexton as well and have Sexton and Allen be one of your be the two pillars of your franchise and build around those guys. So I think that Colin Sexton is a big winner because I personally really wanted to see him stay in Cleveland uh, because he's a really good player. And I think 
if the Cavs gave up on him, I think they would be making a huge mistake. And as far as my losers are concerned, um, I would say the New York Knicks. You know, I don't know why they spent all that cap space that they had on Evan Fournier and Devin and uh, Derek Rose. Uh, it doesn't really make sense. I don't know why you would give uh, Evan Fournier a four-year, $78 million contract. I know the guy shot really well in Boston, uh, but he's still – averaged only 13 points a game and I don't think he's really worth that much um I know he's balling out in the Olympics but come on that's international competition and it's not really you can't really compare that to the NBA competition so I don't understand the moves made by the New York Knicks they also signed Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel as well uh to massive or not massive but big three-year contracts which I didn't understand um and my last loser Dennis Schroeder, you should have taken that four-year, $88 million contract that the Lakers offered you midseason. You got too greedy, and you said you wanted $100 million over four years, and now the Lakers moved on. They went and get got Russell Westbrook. New Orleans got Devontae Graham. Miami got Kyle Lowry. The Knicks used up all their cap space. Chicago went and got Lonzo Ball. Your market is drying up, and you probably won't even top four years, $60 million, let alone the four-year, $100-plus-million-dollar contract that you were hoping for. So, Dennis Schroeder, you should, you, if I was advising you, buddy, you should fire your agent because your agent just cost you big time in free agency. Definitely. Maybe the same bad free agent as to David and Clowney here, but Sammy, nobody found a lot of this NBA free Free agency today. Who are some of your biggest winners, or a lot, or some teams that maybe just came up short and were big fat losers? Uh, two of the bigger winners today are the uh, the two finals teams. Uh, not because they made splash signings, but they were able to keep the team together. Uh, not lose. Uh, Bucks were not able to retain Bobby Portis and CP3. In the uh, Suns were able to retain CP3 and get um, Javale McGee today. So you know those are two underrated wins. Uh, being able to keep that team together, those teams together. Another one was I, I have to disagree with you, Isaiah, on uh, the point you made about the Knicks because the Knicks last year were a playoff team, a very, a very, very decent team last year. The one thing that they were lacking though was outside shooting. Uh, they kept the defense, they kept the lineup, they ran it back basically. Uh, Derek Rose signing Erlens Noel, signing Alec Burks, who's a pretty solid shooter. And then they signed Edvin Fournier. I think mostly the reason why he got that big contract is because how valuable he will be to that team. If they, he can be consistent, like a good shooter, and play his role, I mean, you have a developing uh, point guard, and um, I can't think of his name right now, point guard out of Duke, though, who's very good, very oversized, and will be a long-term uh, threat. Derek Rose off the bench. You still have Nerlens Noel, who's been a very decent – who's been a very good piece for them. Uh, finally finding a place to uh, he fits in. I mean, it seems like his career, it's been, he's been looking for a place to fit in. And another team I would say won today is, I would say, probably the Pelicans. Adding in Devontae Graham, I think, pushed him to a playoff potential playoff team, a playoff threat because of, you know, Devontae Graham, last time we saw him in the system where he was one of the, uh, one of the scorers, he was averaging about 18 points a game. Uh, this past year, he got his minutes got shot because they drafted Ball, and they were also have Terry Rozier that they're going to have to give minutes because they signed him to a ridiculous deal. If they were to say Terry Rozier can't play, I mean the owner would look stupid. 
and the GM will look stupid. So, you know, they have to play Terry Rozier at this point. And another winner was the Lakers uh, because they're able to add outside shooting. Uh, D12 was a very good piece. I don't know how if he'll be used the same way as he was last time, but if they're able to continue to fill out this team with outside shooting, and the only time that they really lost, I think, was letting Alex Caruso go because of uh, how important he was defensively. Uh, and it, off the off the bench, I think he was a very key piece to that team, those championship that championship team, and that team whenever um, last year. So I, I think really that's the only loss they really took. Um, big losers, I would say, probably Houston. Um, I don't think they really made any moves today. Uh, I think they made one move. I can't remember, though, it, that who they got. But they really didn't make any moves today. I know they're trying to rebuild. But I don't see that, you know, being I, – I, you know, I don't see them at all making any moves to at least trade away for draft picks or, you know, uh, try to do something to move toward the future. Another thing was um, – another loser was Utah. Utah, I think, was a piece away from being a, t- a championship team. Being stagnant this year, this uh, this past offseason, I think will hurt them, uh, especially going into next year. Uh, I feel like that either you have to make a move for a key sixth man or a key role player. Like Der- Der- I think that's where Dennis Schroeder could go. Uh, if he signed, I think that would be a good fit for him. Or, you know, a Victor Oladipo type player that would be uh, one of those players that just a big name, but they need to be somewhere for at least one year of type of prove it contract. I think that would be the destination that those players will want to take as Utah, just because of how good they already are and how close they are to be a championship team. Definitely some great points, Sammy, but uh, Isaiah, what are your final thoughts on this last NBA topic on the biggest winners and biggest losers of NBA for agency day one? Um... I also want to add one more loser, and that is the Boston Celtics. You know, the Boston Celtics, they uh, – this was a team that I think really underachieved last year. You know, they have Tatum. They have Jalen Brown. They had Kemba Walker. I thought that they – I thought they were going to go farther than they did. I know they had injuries and COVID and all that stuff, but – you know, they were in chaos all season long, I felt like. And, you know, they just were never together, it seemed like. And I thought that, you know, going into this offseason with Brad Stevens, now the president of basketball operations, I thought he would, you know, shake things up. And he did, you know, trading Kemba Walker. Um, and But it seems like he's not just going to stop there. He's, he might trade Marcus Smart. Um, there's reports that uh, they're, they're going to just shake up the entire team, you know. And I just don't understand some of the moves that Brad Stevens has made, especially that Kemba deal. Um, and then now, you know, Evan Fournier, I know he got a big, rich contract with the Knicks that Boston probably did not want to match because it was too, too rich for them. Uh, but now you're going to have to replace his outside shooting. And then um, I believe they lost Daniel Tice, too, to the Houston Rockets. Or, no, they traded him uh, for Mo Wagner, too. But that was a terrible trade because Mo Wagner, after the Celtics got him, they cut him and he signed with the Magic. So uh, if I'm Boston, you know, if I'm a Celtics fan, the team pretty much – I mean, I would say it looks worse than last year's squad because you had Kemba, you had Smart, you had Tatum, you had Jalen Brown. Now you have Jalen Brown and you only have Jason Tatum on your team. Plus you have an aging Al Horford who the Celtics are trying to, you know, bring into their fountain of youth and try to 
get him to be like the Al Horford from like three, four years ago. I, I just don't understand the moves that the Celtics are making. Definitely a lot of big concerns try to make Tatum and Brown work, but sooner or later you're going to have to realize, is this going to work? And if you are, hopefully it can improve on that. But Casey King comes in to say, what's up, my man? Celtics going back to the gutter. Man, just what what happened after 2018? I know that was a young, young rookie team. Literally went to the finals, but who knows what can happen moving forward. Maybe we can have uh, Chris Rissard come back on and kind of discuss and like what went wrong for the Boston Celtics. Casey King also says, I don't think Brad Stevens will last as a GM. And you know what, Casey, depending on depending what happens this season, could definitely depending on what happens with him, not just as GM, but with the entire Celtics organization here. We're talking about more the most boring sport. On the planet, the Los Angeles Dodgers attract, acquire Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah. You were so sure. You were so sure. I'm going to see me, but I want to roast Isaiah first. Isaiah was – Isaiah, turn your camera on. Isaiah was so sure your A's were going to make this move. Go, we get surgery. But all of those fake Twitter accounts came back to bite you in the butt, my man. But Sammy – what are your thoughts on the Dodgers acquiring Max Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Nationals in a huge blockbuster trade? I think that's huge for the uh, Dodgers. That's something that they definitely needed. Uh, I'll be very interested to see how it all works out for uh, Scherzer and Trey Turner. But, you know, with the Giants saying how they are and with um, who else is in their division, the Padres, those two teams right now, are the two best teams are, are two of the best teams in the NL. I think it's just bad luck this year with the Dodgers having uh, having hitting their top uh, year in the same year that the Giants are coming back in the same year that the Padres are uh, peaking. So you know, I think it's huge for the Padres um, to make that Scherzer trade. But if, whether or not it's going to work out or not, it's going to be uh, a big question. Uh, especially with how loaded the NL West is right now. Definitely going to be interesting to see what happens in the NL West. But Isaiah, again, we were talking about the most boring sport on the planet. The Dodgers acquire a man that you were so sure was coming to the Oakland Turds, Oakland A's, and Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. From the, I believe is at the Washington Nationals game. I don't know play baseball watches, so I'm not sure if we got the team right. In a huge blockbuster trade, what were your initial thoughts and have you learned your lesson? But not talking so much boo-boo. Well, my first thought is screw the Washington Nationals because, first of all, you didn't send him to Oakland and you sent him to the Dodgers, the team that won it all last year and has a stacked super team and you made them even stronger. So now they're going to probably repeat as back-to-back World Series champions. Shame on you, Washington. Uh, secondly, you know... I feel so bad for Callen, uh, for AJ Preller and the San Diego Padres, because when me and John and Callen talked on the phone um, last Thursday, the deal was basically done for the Padres to acquire Max Scherzer. And then two hours later, we find out the Dodgers scooped Max Scherzer from the Padres lap and got him. And they also got Trey Turner as well, who's one of the best shortstops in all of baseball to their ball club. And, man, I feel bad for the Padres because 
I thought the Washington Nationals negotiated in bad faith. And there was a report that came out that the Washington Nationals, John and Sammy, leaked the Scherzer and Turner deal with the Padres out to the media just so that Washington could get L.A. to up their price. Washington secretly knew that Scherzer wanted to go to L.A., so they wanted to get more from the Dodgers than what the Dodgers were willing to offer, and they leaked that story to the media that the Padres were very, very close to a Scherzer trade, and then they were on the one-inch line and stuff like that, and there was some reports that they had, they had even agreed to the compensation package, and they leaked that just to get the Dodgers to up their price, in which they did because the Dodgers did not want to see a division rival get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, so they got them instead and made them even more stronger. The Nats, they should be ashamed of themselves because now with this story leaking, I don't think that uh, any other front offices will trust the Washington Nationals front office because uh, if you're going to leak someone's package out of the media and play the negotiating game in public, then why would a general, like a, a general general manager from another team like the Phillies or the Oakland A's, what, what would make them think that you won't do that if they wanted to negotiate a trade for someone else on your ball club with them? So shame on the Nationals for sending him to the Dodgers. Shame on them for negotiating in really bad fate and really pulling some BS that you just never do when it comes to uh, the front office negotiating trades. But as far as what this means for the Dodgers, it means that they're going to repeat plain and simple. You know, the Dodgers were already one of the most talented teams in all of baseball, and they got a guy that is a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, um, a guy at Max Scherzer who's started the All-Star game, nonetheless, I believe, um, or three weeks ago, and he's one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, and he, you got him, and not only did you get him, but you got Trey Turner, a guy that you didn't even need because you have Corey Seager, who won World Series MVP last year at shortstop. Now you have Trey Turner to play second base on your ball club next to Corey Seager and with Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts and all those great guys that they have in their starting lineup. It is just unfair what's going on in L.A. The Dodgers are in prime position to repeat, and if they don't repeat, it's going to be the most disappointing season not only in Dodgers history, but in MLB history as well. If the Dodgers with this stacked team don't repeat. Who knows? Who knows what can happen here? But again, both Dodgers acquired Max Scherzer and trade turn for the Nationals in a huge blockbuster trade. Sammy or Isaiah, do you have any final thoughts or continued thoughts or thoughts about this uh, trade from the, from, from the Washington Nationals to the Los Angeles Dodgers? Dodgers. Yeah, uh, I just got uh, one more thing to add is that if I'm an opposing team right now, I would never negotiate with the Washington Nationals for a trade ever again because of their bad faith negotiating. Definitely trust issues are a huge thing in sports. Simi, what are your thoughts on this or how does this help? Does this help completely help the Dodgers or is this let's just wait and see what happens? I think it helps the Dodgers uh, in the regular season. But the thing is that they're going to need the division to win the division for it to really, I think, take effect. Because if they have a one-game playoff against the Giants and the Padres, I mean, that's, I think it could, this whole trade could go to waste because 
you know, that the Padres are equally as good. Their best ace with their best team are just as good as right now the Dodgers are. I think right now, though, with the Trey Turner trade, I think that definitely is. The Mets, though, they also had a big trade, Isaiah, that could definitely swing things their way, adding depth in their uh, lineup. So uh, I think that they're definitely not a team out to, uh, to roll out either. But as far as the Dodgers and the NL West goes, I think right now the only way that this trade would be a big win for the Dodgers is if they were to win the NL West and be able to get out of that one-game wild card series. Definitely could be interesting to see what happens. But Casey King, I think, makes a point here. Time out, we're talking about the trade Turner and Max Scherzer trade to the Los Santos starters from the Washington Nationals. It says, Isaiah, I think they got Trey Turner got for, for an insurance reason, like an insurance policy, as Seager is most likely going to walk as a free agent. Great point, Casey. That is always a great thing to do. If you're not too sure of a player's going to say, always get another person to replace them at any time or any way. But Sammy or Isaiah, do you have any thoughts on this comment, or is this kind of reaffirming what you were already thinking? Yeah, I forgot to add that to my uh, to my statement about the Dodgers trade. You know, I think that tr- this trade also means that Corey Seager is gone from the Dodgers in the offseason because he's a free agent. He's most likely going to command a lot of money. And I, I don't know if the Dodgers would want to pay him that because he's uh, he's always been injured. You know, um, I think two years ago he had Tommy John surgery on his elbow. Um, last year he had some type of injury this year. I know he had like a broken wrist or something like that. So, um, he's going to command a lot of money and Trey Turner. He's younger. Uh, he's a guy that, um, right now, I think he's only making like 13 million, uh, for this season and next season as well. So he's pretty cheap. Uh, and then, you know, you have an insurance policy just in case Seager will leave. But I think, you know, Seager is as good as gone in LA. Samir, do you have any thoughts on this and how this, uh, what Casey King had to say right here? Yeah, it, like uh, Isaiah said, it does show a grim future for uh, Seager in LA. Uh, but uh, good thing the Dodgers are able to get a replacement because not every team is able to get that early replacement, all star level replacement at that because it is Trey Turner is an all star level player. So yeah, you know, good. It's good for them to be able to get that replacement before uh, Seager leaves fully. Definitely be interesting to see what happens, but most likely Casey, Sammy, Delusional, Skip Bellas, and myself likely gone after this season. But folks, our last final topic on the worst sport on the planet here, Isaiah, who do you think are the biggest winners and losers of the MLB trade deadline? All right, I got a few winners, and also I got a few losers in regards to this trade deadline. Um... Forgive, forgive me if I'm, you know, not, if I don't name your teams because I had, like, there was a lot of trades that went down. I think th- th- this was, like, the record for most players traded uh, at the trade deadline this season. So, or in MLB history. So, uh, bear with me, guys. Uh, my first winner, it's obviously the Los Angeles Dodgers, because you're already a very stacked team and you go out and get the best pitcher in baseball or one of the best pitchers in baseball, Max Scherzer. And also you get Trey Turner, who was an all-star shortstop as well um, from the Washington Nationals. Uh, That's a clear win right there. And it helps make them a super, super team now in LA. Uh, My second winner has got to be 
it's got to be the Phillies. You know, the Philadelphia Phillies, I know they only made one trade, which was adding Kyle Gibson and uh, Ian Kennedy, but the Phillies addressed everything that they needed to address at the trading deadline. You know, they needed another starting pitcher. They went out and get Kyle Gibson, who is an all-star. He has, a, I believe, a 2.67 ERA this, this season. Um, he's been really, really good for the Texas Rangers, and that's very surprising because, you know, Texas, that ballpark, in Arlington, very hitters friendly. So to be able to dominate in Texas is an like is a tremendous feat uh, in of itself. Um, and then they go out and get uh, Ian Kennedy in the same trade. Who you know he might not have the same stuff as he used to have, but he's reinvented himself as a closer now, and he is way better than any of the. Phillies options that they have in the bullpen outside of Ranger Suarez. So to add another, you know, guy that could pitch uh, in the late innings, a guy that has experience in the late innings, a guy that also has experience pitching in the postseason, I think is a huge boost for the Philadelphia Phillies. And this team, they're only three games back of the Mets in the NL East. I know the Mets added Javi Baez. I know the Braves added uh, Eddie Rosario and a bunch of other players. Uh, but the Phillies, I thought that they desperately definitely added you know to the bullpen and starting rotation which has been a major weakness for this team this season and we know how potent their lineup is now if the rotation can you know be be a competent rotation if the bullpen can be a competent bullpen i think the phillies have a great shot to take the national league east especially given their schedule uh the rest of the way with it being one of the easiest schedules in all of baseball um also, I want to say the Oakland Athletics. I think they're a huge winner because, you know, I was very depressed. I was very upset when the A's lost to Callens Padres the day before they made the Starling Marte trade. And I said, you know, they need to make some moves to change it up. They look lifeless. They look dead. They look like they don't even have any energy and they don't want to play the game of baseball. And they, uh, less than 24 hours later, they make the move, sending Jesus Lazardo, very, very talented pitcher, to the Miami Marlins for Starling Marte, uh, who is an all-star, a guy that, you know, is a contact hitter. He has power as well. He doesn't strike out that often. He was the type of hitter that I believe the A's needed to get. And also, after they got him, they went out and got uh, Andrew Chapin to help bolster the bullpen. He's having a great year with the Chicago Cubs. Um, and then they also went out and on the trade deadline day, they got Jan Gomes to pair with Sean Murphy as the backup catcher. It's better than watching automatic out. Aramis Garcia every time when he plays and when Sean Murphy is sitting um, and also they also got Josh Harrison who Sammy knows very very well he's a guy that is doesn't strike out a whole lot uh, is fabulous on the base paths uh, he makes any team better so I think the A's definitely got better with those moves that they made to their lineup and their bullpen um, and I would say my last winner uh, who my last winner has got to be the Yankees because the Yankees, we've been ragging on them all season long, saying you have an all right-handed lineup for a ballpark that plays extremely well to lefties, and you don't have one lefty hitter in your lineup, and it's ridiculous because you can't have an all right-handed anything, not only in baseball, but when it comes to sports in general, and the Yankees went out and got two of the most powerful left-handed hitters on the market in Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. And those two guys have been playing, paying dividends for the Yankees uh, in their first couple of games with New York. So I really like the moves for the Yankees. Um, and as far as my losers are concerned, um, 
I would say probably uh, the Padres. Uh, sorry, Callan, if you're watching, because you know you're, the Padres had Max Scherzer right in their hands, and at the last minute, the Dodgers, their biggest rivals, go out and steal Max Scherzer from their hands. Uh, now it makes the Padres' road to potentially winning the division or even winning the wild card game even more tougher with the Dodgers loading up and the Giants loading up as well. And the, and the Padres only got, you know, Daniel Hudson from, from the Washington Nationals. And my last loser uh, is, the, is someone that I said, I said uh, in my rant when I was talking about the Dodgers getting Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, it's got to be, Mike Rizzo and the Nationals front office because you and John and Sammy, you guys know this, that in any sports, professional sports league, you have to negotiate in good faith. You know, you never, ever, ever leak out someone's trade offer just to get uh, the other teams to up their prices. You don't do that publicly. You could do that, you know, you could do that um, by calling that team or whatever, but you don't leak their trade offer publicly and negotiate through the public. Don't do that. And like I said earlier, if I'm an opposing GM, I will never ever make a trade with the Washington Nationals because who knows, they might leak my trade offer or they might leak my team's plans and stuff like that. And my secrets will get out. So I think the Washington Nationals, their front office, the trust or their credibility took a big, big hit during the trade deadline. Definitely, my man. Trusting, uh, trusting in sports is one of the biggest things also in sports media. But Sammy, who do you think were the biggest winners and losers of the MLB trade deadline? Well, the biggest winner, in my opinion, is, of course, the Pirates. Uh, what they did was they added, actually, a lot of depth in their prospect group. Uh, they, I feel like that already is one of the best prospect groups uh, in the MLB, one of the best farm systems. But after the trades that they made this past week, I think that it creates uh, a lot de- – it's a lot deeper than it was definitely last week. And I think in about four or five years, we're about to see the Pirates uh, for real take off uh, – really take off. Uh, but other than that, I'd say another loser I would say is uh, the Cubbies. Uh, for the fact that the Pirates are no longer the worst team in baseball or the NL Central because the Cubbies are going to be an actual uh, AAA squad for the rest of the season. I mean, they traded away 13, 14 of their players, of their top players. So uh, they completely blew up in the trade deadline. I'm surprised that they went to the extent that they went and didn't keep a couple stars just to at least sell tickets. But, uh, yeah, they fully ex- uh, exploded. They didn't just blow up. They exploded. So, uh you know, the Cubbies are definitely one of the bigger losers um, this past week. And another thing is, is a bit, as far as winners go, as Isaiah said, I have to agree with the Yankees. Uh, adding, I do believe, uh, Anthony Rizzo was the uh, big hitter from the Cubs that went there. And then uh, the Padres, definitely, because now the Padres, like, like I've said before, um, the Padres, are, like Isaiah said before anyways, they're now contenders. They're now the uh, top team talent-wise, but they just need the wins to back it up. For remainder of the season to get out of that uh, NL wild card spot, and um, another thing is the Mets. I think right now with the moves that the Mets made today or last week was um, enough to push them over the Braves and the Phillies, the two teams that they've been hotly contested with. I think right now with uh, Baez and the other players that they've gotten from the Cubbies and other teams. 
Um, right now, I think, in my opinion, that pushes them uh, a little bit over the edge uh, from where they were because I think everybody was pretty close to each other with the Phillies, the uh, Braves, and the um, Mets. They were all three were a, a couple wins, a losses away from each other. But now that the Mets went all out in the free air trade deadline, I think that pushes them over uh, the edge uh, in the NL East. Definitely a lot of crazy moves in baseball. And finally, talking about the only good sport on the planet here, though, Sammy Colts quarterback Carson Wentz, yet another another injury story, is out five to two weeks after undergoing foot surgery here, which will be out to the second to third week of October, pending any other injury news. Sammy, what is your reaction to the news? And is the Colts season over? Should they panic or should they just take their time and See what happens from here. Well, I don't think that anyone was expecting them to be Super Bowl contenders. Uh, I think they're a very good team, uh, even outside Carson Wentz. I think that this team uh, is still a very good uh, team. If I do recall, Jacoby Brissett is, is Joe, Jacoby Brissett still the backup quarterback for the uh, the Colts. I believe I he has one more year left on this. No, he's actually mm. on the Dolphins now. The Dolphins, because he signed that two-year, $21 million year back in 2019 when Andrew Luck retired. And now he's a backup for Tua Tainola because Fitzpatrick's the starter for Washington. Okay, and they're going to be starting Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger this year. The Colts are. So, uh, I I think Jacob Eason will do a good job leading his team. He'll have a breakout year. Uh, no, but for real, I don't know about – I wouldn't be pushing the panic button if I was the Colts. Um, this is a very deep team. They have one of the best offensive lines right now in professional football. Uh, one, one of the underrated stories was uh, Jonathan Taylor and be, being able to use him this uh, last year and get about 1,000 yards out of him. Um, they also have a decent running game uh, court as far as uh, Nye Hines behind uh, Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack, who a couple years ago blew up and uh, had a breakout season. And so he's been struggling with injuries on and off the uh, staying on the field. So I think that if they rely on the run game, they can at least um, make up a little bit for their uh, deficiencies in the passing game. Definitely be curious to see, and I'll definitely be watching because you never know what happens. My thoughts, though, this I I expect it to see me or Isaiah or Casey. Like I told Chris Bersard, I was telling the, all the people, like, I never expected him to be a Super Bowl contender. I can't say I'm surprised that Carson Wentz is injured again. This is the same story. This goes all the way back to Carson Wentz in high school. I'm not saying they should panic. I'm not saying their season is over. Because remember, if you look at that division, really who has the best offensive line? It's the Colts. Yeah, Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, Jags. second round pick. Or sorry, yeah, second round pick in 2020. And you got Marlon Mack, even if he's injury prone, you still have a guy that can get a couple of carries here and there. Sorry, Isaiah had some technical difficulties. He'll be in stream yard timeout just for a moment here. And then you've got T.Y. Hill. Yes, he's older. That's a one year deal. May not even do much. You got Paris Campbell. You got those weapons. You rely on the running game. My only concern was. Let's say for a short period the running game doesn't work. Who who's going to be the guy on the field to get the job done when the running game for some reason for a couple plays here and there or 
during a big rival game where the running game stops. The running game absolutely stops completely and can't and uh can't be started. Who do you put on? You got Jacob Eason. Yeah, Sam Ellinger. He can maybe be a gadget player for the Colts, but not a starter. And how are you going to be able to bring in a veteran player? You would have to eat some of that cap, maybe. So I just don't know how this could help the Colts. Their season is definitely not in jeopardy. This would be the worst thing to do for the Indianapolis Colts is to freak out now. Oh, my gosh. Carson Wentz, the same old story. Renee with Frank Wright. We get, we get that awesome story. It's not over. They shouldn't panic. But every single game now is going to mean even more than it did before, especially with we don't know what's with Jacob Eason. Sam Ellinger, I'm sorry, dude. He, he's just not a developed quarterback. Texas quarterbacks don't last in the NFL. Texas quarterbacks in the NFL don't win Super Bowls. They don't. They're not starters in the NFL, especially how Sam played in college. But Mr. Burt Man here is drinking all that Sprite from McDonald's. What are your thoughts on the Carson Wentz injury in? Should the Colts be panicked, or should they just try to take it literally one day at a time and focus on the red game? Well, well, well. My prediction that the Jaguars were going to win the AFC South with Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. No. Because they still have Tennessee with the Academy. So we will not let you do that type of take right here on the show at all here. Because the King says, I say, I think the Colts take a little dive. Definitely without a doubt, Casey. I don't think they win a division. Could maybe get a wild card. That would be interesting, though, Casey. Now that if the, if the Indianapolis Colts could get a wild card, it's the running game. But if the running game gets soft, just like we saw in Tennessee, again, I'm not Ryan Tan. I'm not comparing Ryan Tannehill to Eason or Ellinger or any of those guys. But once the running game gets stopped, what do you do moving forward? And Isaiah, you're out of stream or timeout. You do it again. You are banned from tonight's stream. Don't worry, I'm not picking the Jaguars to win the AFC South. I was just kidding, folks. But uh, you know. First of all, my reaction to the news is that I feel bad for Carson Wentz because he's got great talent, but he just can't seem to stay healthy. It seems like every single year he has some type of injury or he's not getting along with coaches and stuff like that. I thought a new star with Frank Reich, who uh, he balled out under, it would do wonders for him, but now he gets hurt once again. Um and, you know, is the cold season over? No, the cold season is over because they are still a very talented team. They have a good defense. They have a, you know, good offensive line, good running game. I think they'll be fine. But it's, I think if you're the Colts, I do think you have to panic because I don't trust Jacob Eason. Um, Jacob Eason, I watched him play when he was at Georgia. He's the same guy that got beat out by Jake Fromm when Jake Fromm was a freshman. Um, and also, uh, I watched him play at Washington, and he was terrible at the University of Washington. So I don't think that he would really do much for the Colts. Um, if you're talking about like an Alex Smith situation where – you know, Alex Smith with the 2011 Niners just handed the ball to Frank Gore, did not make any mistakes, did not turn the football over, and just handed the ball to Gore, have Gore ran the football for like 
40 times a game. And then on third down and manageable, you just dump it off or you throw a screen pass. If that's what you want to do for Jacob Eason, I guess that could work because you have a really good defense. Uh, but I honestly want to see Sam Ellinger, honestly, because I, I like Sam Ellinger, not as a, like as a passer, but I like the story of Sam Ellinger. I mean, this is the same guy, his brother, I believe, John, if I'm not mistaken, didn't his brother pass away? Like Unfortunately, a week his brother passed away. I don't remember exactly what happened. He got drafted a day or two later. Unfortunately, his brother passed away. And so it's very unfortunate story in the long-term family. Yeah, uh, you know, this guy has been through so much hardship, and if he could somehow, some way, you know, get from being drafted in the sixth round after all the hardship and then, you know, be the starting quarterback of the Colts, it would be such a great story. So I'm definitely rooting for him. But if I'm the Colts, what I would do is trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, there's reports coming out from Grant Cohn and also from other 49ers reporters that Jimmy Garoppolo is having a really, really bad camp right now. Uh, the, the Niners have been practicing for four days now. Garoppolo has thrown a total of 10 interceptions in four days against the 49ers defense. I know you can't really take that and be like, oh, Garoppolo is sucking and stuff like that because he's playing his own team. He's not playing against you know, his against another opponent and he might be working on some stuff, but 10 picks in a practice in a four day span is still concerning. And there's reports that Trey Lance has looked very, very good. Um, there's reports from Niners beat writers that Kyle Shanahan might be willing to go with Trey Lance in week one. Remember Doug Peterson, the Eagles head coach at that time, uh, when the Eagles first drafted Carson Wentz, he said that uh, it would be, the veteran that would start. I forgot who's the veteran's name at that time. Chase but... Daniel was supposed to be there. Then, then Chase Daniel, they went to Kansas City or somewhere. Yeah, yeah. He said that Chase Daniels was going to be the starter for like like a long period of time. And then literally right before their week one game against the – I forgot who it was. But right before their week one game, Doug Peterson announces that Carson Wentz was the starter. So I think this could be that situation uh, like Philly – from back then um, that I think Kyle Shanahan could just be playing with all the defensive coordinators in the NFL. Um, and I think that, you know, if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you would, you should want to go to Indianapolis because Frank Reich has a proven offensive system. Uh, Frank Reich is a really good offensive coach. And I think you would have more long-term security in Indianapolis than you would in San Francisco, because everybody knows that your days as a starting quarterback of the Niners, is almost up. And it's just a matter of when Trey Lance takes the job from you, not if. Definitely huge. Guys. But, yeah, uh, what are your thoughts on this question before we go into today's final thoughts on another episode of Wild Sports Talk? We are exhausted. Hopefully I say it doesn't work in the wrong. You know what here? The Colts did the trade for Gardner Minshew. I'll give my thoughts on that real quick. The Jaguars, no matter what team you are, how bad or how good, they're not going to trade their quarterback or backup guy to their own division. Who knows? Or Marcus Mariota. Sammy, what are your thoughts on this this potential situation here? Uh, my thoughts are that uh, as far as Mariota, I don't know about Mariota. But Gardner Minshew is a very interesting uh, point. Because in my opinion, I, and I'm looking at Ellinger stats right now, uh, in his college career, in the big games. And Gardner Minshew, or not Gardner Minshew, Sam Ellinger in the big games stepped up against Oklahoma uh, in his career, had seven, had nine touchdowns uh, passing, 12 touchdowns in the uh, ground game, 
I think he was one in three against uh, Oklahoma. But at the same time, whenever he played Oklahoma, he lit up Oklahoma. Uh, throughout his career, uh, last his senior year, he passed uh, 26 touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh, in the losses that Texas had, I mean, I'd say he probably had one bad game among the three, four losses. So, you know, it was, I'd say probably the Oklahoma game where he passed for about 40%, but he still had no interceptions, didn't turn over the ball, still had two touchdowns rushing-wise. So I think, you know, as far as a Gardner Minshew type setup, I think Sam Ellinger could be that Gardner Minshew type, have that Gardner Minshew type breakout season this year. Uh, Between Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger, if you were to say, Sam, which guy would have a breakout season? Uh, Frank Reich is already an unbelievable uh, QB head coach. Uh, he was one pars- partially why Carson Wentz was in the MVP race and why the Eagles were able to win that Super Bowl with Nick Foles at starting quarterback. Uh, you know, the, it could be the perfect uh, story for Sam Ellinger finally being a more stable system and um, Frank Reich being able to court- coach quarterbacks. I think this would be a good uh, startup for Sam Ellinger. Definitely could be interesting. Uh, Isaiah, the delusion escape Bayless and Mr. Birdman. What are your thoughts on this potential situation for the Colts? Uh, Gardner Minshew, I wouldn't because I know Jacksonville badly wants to get rid of him because they have Trevor Lawrence and they have CJ Beathard as well. So they're going to try, like, they're probably going to accept the least amount to get rid of him. Uh, I'm just not really that impressed with Gardner Minshew, honestly. Um, I thought he was just a one-hit wonder that one year that he had. I uh, thought it was just like a fluke year, and then teams figured him out, and he just wasn't the same. I mean, last year, I had him in fantasy, I believe, and he was terrible when I had him in fantasy. Uh, and uh, Marcus Mariota, I mean, I like the guy, uh, but I think he's more of just a runner instead of a passer. I mean, if you're trying to – for a gadget guy, Marcus Mar- Mariota would be perfect because that game against the Chargers on Thursday Night Football, he didn't really throw the football a lot. He just ran the ball because John Gruden just dialed up a bunch of running plays for him um, to use his legs. You know, <sighs> Mariota, I, I think it would be a good option – if the Raiders moved off of their asking price, which is right now reportedly a second round pick or a third round pick, I honestly do not know why the Raiders think that Marcus Mariota is worth a second round pick or a third round pick. If I was an opposing team and I needed a quarterback and they were asking for that, I would hang up the phone or I would laugh in their faces and just hang up the phone because that's utterly ridiculous that they want a second round pick or a third round pick for Marcus Mariota, who's played, I believe, only one game. Uh, since he got benched for Ryan Tannehill. So I, I don't think that makes sense for the Colts. I think Jimmy G makes sense. And as Casey said, what about Nick Mullins? I mean, Nick Mullins. No, he said that you still have your Nick Mullins jersey. Don't change the subject. Yes, I do have that Nick Mullins jersey, Casey. And I think that, uh, you know, Nick Mullins, you could get him for like, who knows? You could get him from a, for a burger and a french fries if you wanted That's to. That's an insult to burgers and french fries everywhere. Well, because he's a third-string quarterback right now for the Eagles. So it would not even cost you anything to get him. And, you know, if you need him for, like, let's say three to four weeks, he could fill in. But until then, I mean, he could fill in for three to four weeks. So he could be, like, a competent option. But I don't know, man. The coach just better hope and pray that Carson Wentz's injury and his rehab takes five weeks instead of the 10 to 12 weeks that – 
uh, is the maximum amount of recovery time for that type of injury. Who knows? And again, even if it's the longest recovery time, the Colts do not rush this at all. I'll take Gardner Minshew over Drew Lock even as a backup. So Drew Lock, you are a bum as a Denver Broncos quarterback here in every way. Let's do it. Whatever gets him out, because frankly, I don't want him at all in any way, shape, or form. I don't know how any delusional Broncos fan could think that. But without further ado, as I do on every single program, let's go into tonight's final thoughts. It's a good show. Delusional Skip Bayless, Sammy Shaw, but of course, myself here. That one dude, 2020. She had the NBA free agency special. And another episode of Wild Sports Shop. But Sammy, what are your final thoughts on tonight's program? Uh, you know, my final thoughts were that, you know, one thing that we both all agreed on was that the Lakers needed to add shooting. The Lakers signed um, Kent Bazemore while we were on this show. And the Heat signed Dwayne Dedman. So those are two big signings uh, for both of those respective squads. So... Uh, I think right now, the, as long as the Lakers can keep on building their perimeter shooting and their perimeter defense, I think they'll be fine, in my opinion. Isaiah, or delusional Skip Bayless, or Mr. Burtman, or Mr. Higgins, what are your final thoughts on tonight's program? Well, my final thoughts is actually before I get into my final thoughts, um, I want to thank Casey, uh, as well as my guy Haku. What's going on, man? Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, good luck to your Eagles this upcoming season. Uh, looking forward to that Niners-Eagles game in Week 2. Uh, I wanna think that's all the viewer comments that we had uh, for tonight's program. But I want to thank all the fans that tuned in tonight and that commented and supported us. Uh, really, really appreciate you guys. Um, I also want to thank, uh, or I want to give a shout-out to Callan, who's going on vacation for the next week. Enjoy Florida, man. You deserve it. You deserve a nice, long vacation after all the hard work that you put in, not only for the network, but for uh, for you know your jobs with the goals and with the – uh, with USD and Point Loma as well. You deserve it, man. You worked so hard. Uh, so you deserve a nice vacation. So enjoy Florida. Can't wait to hear all the Florida man stories when you get back uh, that you would have encountered. Uh, but my final thoughts is that, uh, you know, free agency is going fast and furious right now. Uh, looking forward to seeing what uh, what free agency brings in the upcoming hours and days to come. It's going to be great. Um, and also, we might have a special guest that's going to hop on our show maybe next week. Who knows? Uh, a special insider from the NBA to talk about free agency, talk about the draft and recap everything. It's going to be very exciting. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Of course, you thank you so much for the support. We're going to end it retired. Peace. Have a good one.